Good morning, Fellowship High Crest. Well, we can do better than that. I know it's cold outside, but we have heat inside. Good morning, Fellowship High Crest. Come on, y'all act like your teammate just won a playoff game for the first time in, what, 25 years. Good morning, Fellowship High Crest. That's what I'm talking about. Somebody ought to be happy because my Cowboys show ain't. Man, I tell you what, that's all right. I went to bed. I prayed on it last night. Well, if today is your first time joining us uh, here at Fellowship High Crest, I want to let you know that as I speak this morning, you'll see some page numbers on the screen, and those page numbers relate to the page numbers that you'll see um, in the Bibles in your seats. Um, if you don't have a Bible, then please take that one as our gift to you. If you don't have a Bible that's easy to read, then please take that one as our gift to you. Uh, if, you don't, if you know someone that doesn't have a Bible, doesn't have one that's easy to read, then please take that one and give it to them as a gift from the both of us. If you need a Spanish Bible, we have those available. If you will raise your hand, or one of our ushers will get you a Spanish version of the Bible that is in the seat so that you can follow along. And we value this because we want you to see that the things that we are teaching actually come from the Word of God, and, and we're not just making this stuff up on the fly. And so if you need that, our ushers will help you and, and get one of those for you. Um, this morning, we conclude our first sermon series for the year, which is entitled Ears to Hear. And this is a great sermon series to start the year off with because it really questions, are we ready for what God wants to do, not only through, but most importantly, in us, over this year. And here's why this is important. It lines out for where we're going. Most of us go into the year and we're, we're thinking about what all we want to do this year. And what happens is we burn out really quick because it's all about more output. And we let our output try to drive our inner change. And that's a surefire way to burn out. But when your output is just a natural product of what's already inside of you, it is more sustainable and it'll be more life giving. So that's where we're going this morning, just to kind of give it away. And so as we look at this series is asking, um, are you really ready to hear what God is saying in those small, quick moments of life? And to be ready to respond and obey. Are you ready? The first week, uh, Jeremy kicked us off. And it was was the last Sunday of the year uh, for 2018. And he examined the the hardened soil or the the seed that was cast on the pathway. And then last week, we looked at um, the seed that was cast among the shallow soil, the rocky soil. You know, um... A lot of those passages, the first one was like just the person that was hardened, that was an unbeliever, right? And the church could say amen behind that and be like, yeah, mm-hmm, get on them, Jeremy. But then last week we talked about something that was kind of in the middle where it was kind of like these external forces that cause internal spiritual crisis in our life. But this one right here, this week right here, church, Jesus is walking down our block. Amen. And he's talking about internal things that cause spiritual crisis in our lives. And this one hits us a lot more frequently inside the church. And so um, let's get 
on it this week because this week we'll take a look at the weeds or, or thorns uh, depending on what version that you're looking at. So there in Mark 4, 1 through 20, this is what we find it to say. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. And then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock and the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it had, didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants so that they produced no grain. Still, other seed fell on fertile soil and they sprouted, grew and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a 100 times as much as been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples, with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parable meant. He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see uh, what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? The former plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed that fell on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They will fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. And the seed that fell among thorn, the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as been planted. This is God's word. So many of us begin these, uh, each new year with new goals. And, and we commonly refer to those new goals as uh, New Year resolutions. And when a person uh, makes these goals, um, they're saying that they have decided, that they stand resolute, that they agree to change an undesired trait or behavior to accomplish a personal goal or otherwise improve their life. The most common of these New Year resolutions that were made in 2018 were to, to lose weight, to, um, to get healthier, to exercise more, and to save more money. But the sad or discouraging news is that most of these New Year resolutions will fail by the second week of February. They say 80% of those New Year resolutions will fail by the end of February. 
So that means that for most of us, the odds of sticking with that new meal plan are not in our favor. You know, for most of us, the odds of managing our time better, getting more sleep, taking up that new hobby, reading more scripture, etc., are not in our favor. What is it that causes a person when they are most resolved to fall short? That is exactly what Jesus is speaking about when he talks about the thorny soil in this passage. Jesus uses this part of the parable to discuss what will cause someone to hear the good news, be determined to obey what they heard, and then do the opposite. See, this parable um, was written in its part of the Gospel of Mark, and Mark was not a disciple of Jesus, but he was a disciple of Peter. Now, Peter was one of 12 guys who left everything they had to follow and obey um, the man they saw as their rabbi, their teacher, their God, their Messiah, their coming king, and their savior. And even though they knew all that and believed all that about them, they would do the exact opposite of what he said. So don't get discouraged because you're in good company this morning. As Jesus was teaching this parable, as I said last week, his hearers didn't have to walk or or look very far or wonder about the illustration that he was given because it's seen throughout the landscape of where they were at. On the screen, you see a picture of uh, uh, from that part of the world of some thorns choking out a plant. You can see the weeds coming up and choking out the plants. As Jesus spoke, he said that both had the same seed. They had the same sore. And remember from the first week that that Jeremy said that the seed that was being sown here was the word of God, the good news or the gospel. But then Jesus said that the result was different. In verse seven, he says that the thorns or weeds left one soul distracted. And but the other place gave a harvest. Jesus and social scientists have come to the same conclusion. The thing that keeps us from achieving our New Year resolutions is the same thing that keeps us from being faithful to following and obeying the word of God. What is it? I like to call it squirrel hunting. Now, what is squirrel hunting? To give you an example of what squirrel hunting is, we're going to show you a brief little clip from a movie called Up. Sound booth, will you help me out? so that I may talk. Squirrel! My master is good at Yeah, so you see, it's one of those things in verse 7 says that thorns grew up and choked out the tender plant. We have all good attentions. We focus in on the thing and how good his master is. And it's like squirrel. And we look over, right? And that's what we're looking at here. But we need to examine what does that exactly look at look like in our spiritual walks. Verse seven is that that key verse that says thorns grew up and choked out the tender plant. So let's let's start with that word. um, The thorns. First thing we can see from that phrase is that the thorns or weeds are in the soil. The seed was sown, but the weeds were already there. Here's here's what you need to hear. This is why this is important. Some Christians over time have unknowingly adopted asceticism. I know that's a big word. But here's what that means. People who um, believe in asceticism believe this, 
They believe that all the evil in the world is an external force acting upon me. That the reason I don't follow and obey God is because, you know, it's the media's fault. It's my spouse's fault. It's my kid's fault that I get so angry. It, it, it's, it's them people. It's those things. I know y'all don't say none of this kind of stuff. I know y'all don't say none of this kind of stuff. I mean, it's just me within the safety of my own home, right? Uh, it, it's them fault. It, it's those kind. So, but, so what they try to do is they try to remove themselves from all the sources of evil that they feel like are acting upon them to make them act that way. But here's what they find when they get to those places of silence and solitude. They still get angry. They still have lustful thoughts. They're still resentful. They still have themselves is what the problem is. Even when they get to all those places where they're trying to remove all those things, they still fall short of following and obeying God's word. And we'll find the same thing because we have us. We'll still fall short. But let's go back to that phrase. It says the thorns grew up and choked out the tender plant. Now, that word choked there is a complex word. And when you research that word, it has several meanings in the scripture. The first is it literally means to suffocate. It says that they literally cut off a supply of what's needed to live. He said the thorns in your life, the weeds in your life literally choke off what you need to live spiritually. Another way that word is used, it says it throttles back the progress or fruitfulness of the the seed. It said they act like a clogged sieve. Yeah, you get something out of it, but not nearly what you should be getting out of it. And then another one is they said that, that the word picture of researching here says that it overpowers the seed. It's like it's being attacked. The thorns or weeds in your life literally attack your faith and make it hard for you to obey. And then another one is it says that it crowds out the seed. I don't know if you've ever been uh, somewhere where you literally feel like you have no personal space, that you have, you can't even hardly breathe because people are everywhere upon you. It says that's what the weeds do in our lives. We can't hardly concentrate on what God is saying because they're pressing upon us so much. And so the last thing you need to know about this word choke, before we move on in the phrase is this, that in the scriptures is in the present tense. And in the scriptures, in the language in which the scriptures were written, all the tenses don't act the same way as they do in the English language. So when an author in the scripture places something in uh, the present tense, he's saying that it starts with no intention or ideal of uh, ever ending. So this is what the author is saying. Um, He's saying that there are thorns that will continually try to cut off what you need to have a living faith. There are thorns in your life that will continually try to restrain what you need to have a thriving faith. There are thorns in your life that will continually try to empower the voice uh, or depower the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. There are thorns in your life that will continually try to crowd out the promises of God in your heart. And we can never guard our hearts or be prepared for them to rise up if we can't identify what they are. So what are the squirrels in your life? Yeah. That's, amen. What are the things that compete for your ability to hear God's voice and obey it? 
Jesus in this parable lined out three different categories for those things. And I want you to ask yourself these, these questions this morning as we go through them. The first category, he says, the, the cares of the world. What do I care about? The word care here, as used in this passage, means what causes you anxiety? What causes you, uh, it consumes your mind to the point where you start to worry, become nervous, or uneasy about the outcome? So much so uh, that you lose focus on what God says in his word and how we're supposed to live in spite of what he said in his word. The cares of the world. What do I care about? The next one, the next category is the deceitfulness of riches. What do I truly have? What is it that you think you have but really has you? What material thing or position do you possess that has totally taken over your life to the point where you find it hard to love God and love others well? You have come to the realization that you're spending an uh, uh, inordinate amount of time maintaining a job, a position, a lifestyle, your home, your boat, your car, etc. The problem is not that you like Fortnite. The problem is that you spend so much time on Fortnite that you have no time to dig into God's word or to spend with God's people. The problem is not that you have Netflix or a social media account. It's that they have you. None of those things in themselves are evil. In the right context, in the right measure. What do I care about? What do I truly have? The desire for other things. What do I really want? Whatever you put at the end of, if I only had blank, then I would have peace. If I only had blank, then I would be able to rest. If I only had blank, then I would be successful. If I only had blank, then I would be able to concentrate on loving my family. If I only had blank, then I could start giving If I only had blank, then I could start serving at a higher capacity. If I only had blank, then I would start sharing my faith. If I only had blank, then I would be satisfied. Whatever you put in that blank has become your God. Because your longing for it has overruled God's voice in your life. And while we may allow ourselves to think that that the problem is the presence of the world or riches of other things, Jesus stops us real quick and says, no. You've misidentified the squirrel. He said the issue is not the squirrel being the squirrel, right? The issue is when we give attention to the squirrel and how we allow ourselves to be deceived by the squirrel and our insatiable lust for more squirrel. Have you found that, like, like one of the things they've shown is... Um, in some of the pictures, you'll see people going places where they shouldn't, and then they'll get attacked by an animal. And then people get mad at the animal. The animal is being the animal. Why are you mad at the animal? And that's the same thing Jesus is saying in this parable. He's saying, don't get mad at the squirrel for being the squirrel. Don't get mad at the thorns and weeds for growing because that's what they do. That's what they was meant for. Jesus says that weeds are going to grow. Come look at my flower beds. You can see that. (laughs) Weeds are going to grow. 
Jesus says, don't get mad at weeds for growing because that's what they were made to do. If distractions are a natural part of life, then how do we go from being distracted by them to engaging with God with them? How do we go from being distracted from God to be engaged with God? How do we allow ourselves to not deny the reality that distractions are there, but also not allow ourselves to be consumed by them? If weeds are going to grow, then I need to know how do I go from chasing after things in life to abiding in who has given me life? I won't stop having needs. I won't stop having desires, but but trusting that he who also gave me breath allows me to see that for whatever need there is in my life, for whatever gap that exists in my life, that he's able to help me find a rest and keep me from being over anxious about the outcome. If weeds are going to grow, then I need to know how do I go from living a harried life to being present with the giver of life? Life won't come down. Let me say that again. Life won't calm down. Life won't just settle down. If you are waiting for that in life in order to make your next step of Christ, you're never going to make it. But when I trust that the captain of my life is with me in the boat, although I may be living in the rapids, I can still have peace in the boat. If weeds are going to grow, I need to know how do I go from being overwhelmed by life to overflowing with unexplainable joy? Troubles will always be in my way. But when I can look at life and say to God, I serve. Have you ever did that? You know, you get into one of those moments and, 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 and it looks like nothing's going to go the way it's supposed to go. And, and life wants to beat you down and say it's your fault that you're not enough, that you're not valuable that you weren't made in his image and you had to stop and say the God I serve. The God I serve split a sea in half and allowed slaves to walk free on dry land. The God I serve made water pour from a rock. The God I serve, right, they rained down food from the sky. The God I serve made a little shepherd boy the king. The God I serve brought a baby from a barren womb. The God I serve saved all of creation through the life, death, and resurrection of a little bitty baby boy from a nowhere poor in the town. I say the God I serve. If weeds are going to grow, then I need to know how do I love when I've been hurt? How do I have joy when I experience loss? How do I have peace when life is upside down? How do I have patience when it seems that I'm running out of time? How do I be kind when I have been disrespected? How do I be good when it seems that nice guys always finish last? How do I be faithful when I'm constantly being let down? How do I exercise self-control? while living in a world that seems to be spiraling out of it. If weeds are going to grow, I need to know these things. And, and the answer is walking with God. The answer is walking with God. And there's a few things you need to know about what it means to walk with God. And, and here they are. The first one is this, that walking with God is a relationship. And the thing I love about relationships is this, is that relationships leave room for imperfections. Relationships say, in spite of your imperfections, I'm here for you and I'm here with you. Relationships say, good, bad, ugly, and indifferent, I'm in this with you. I ain't going nowhere. 
Relationships say, hey, when you stray, I won't leave you to wonder, but I'm going to come and search for you. That's what relationships say. The other thing you need to know about walking with God is that it's daily. They say the healthiest couples check up or touch base three times a day. What that means is if you're going to walk with Jesus, then it can't be a Sunday only thing. It's not going to happen. It's going to have to be this this daily continual thing that happens in your life. Another thing you need to know about walking with God is that it's focused. It's focused. No relationship develops without intentionality. You need a plan. And one of the things that you learn when you go through Rooted is you learn these seven rooted rhythms that help you practice these things on a regular basis with a group of people. That's one of the values of Rooted is that you get a plan for how you're going to love God, love his people, and embrace the purpose that he has for your life in spite of the weeds that exist in your heart. That's the value of rooted. And then the next one is this. The walk is fruitful. Seeds don't immediately produce fruit. Now, none of us are surprised by that, are we? If you've ever planted anything in your life, even those little pinto beans they give you in elementary, you know that seeds don't immediately produce fruit. But many of us live like the moment we come to church for the first time. Or the moment we read scripture that everything's supposed to change in our life. Seeds don't immediately produce fruit. But if you nourish them and protect them, they will eventually grow and be productive. The changes it takes in your life to follow and obey God won't always yield immediate results. You will crave the weeds sometimes even more than the word of God in your life. Whatever issues existed in your life before you met God, you will probably still have those issues. You will still have those cravings. It won't go away. I need you to know that. Because if not, you're going to be discouraged about why you're craving these things when you made this decision. Those things will not go away. The weeds will still exist. But if you... Trust the plan, nourish your faith, and guard your heart. You will see fruit. I can't tell you how many things I've started in my life. I mean, things that I've been resolved to do, things I've been determined to do. And I mean, things that I had all the intentions in the world of following through with. My house is cluttered with gadgets that I thought were essential to me making the next change in my life. My mind is cluttered with plans that I've made about how I was going to change in the coming year. But in the end, there are two things that separate the times that I've remained from the times that I've strayed. And those two things that have separated the times that I've remained from the times that I've strayed are this. The first one is new inputs. I needed a force outside of myself. Something outside of myself to act upon me, to be a catalyst for change. If I had in me what was needed to make the change in my life, I would have already done it. And for us, when it comes to our faith journeys, that outside force is the Holy Spirit. 
And we get that force when we step over the line of faith. When we say that we can't do it, that it's only by his grace and mercy that we're able to make any of those steps. That's when that change happens. That's when we get that outside force. That's when we get those new inputs into our lives. And it's only through that act that we get a relationship with Jesus Christ, that we get a relationship with the God of the universe. If you are here this morning and you haven't done that, I'm going to pray in a second and give you an opportunity to do so. No special words or order of words, just a prayer of thanks. And I challenge you to do it. And here's the second thing that was needed. For the, the separated times I strayed from the times that I stayed. I needed a support system. And for our spiritual walks and our journey with Christ, the body of Christ is our support system. And the first step we make to enter into that support system is by going public with our decision to step over the line of faith through water baptism. Right after service, you can sign up at the Connection Center to go public with your faith next week after service. If you've gone public through water baptism, then your next step of faith may look like either going through Rooted, or if you've gone through Rooted, then continue on with your small group. And let me challenge you. If you're here and you've gone through Rooted, you've completed Rooted, completed and Rooted was not the end. You need your small group. All the progress you made, you'll see yourself revert, like just reversing right back into it. Without that group there to support you and walk beside you. You still need your group in regular community. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for investing in us, even when we're not always the best soul. But you see us in spite of our weeds. And you love us through all of our thorns. We're so thankful that you made the sacrifice to send your son to die on our behalf. So that we may have a deep, intimate relationship with you. Father, if there's anyone here that is still depending on their willpower and their strength to change, I pray that they would just turn it over to you. They would trust in your Holy Spirit invading their lives and changing their hearts from the inside out so that they would see fruit being produced. I pray they would give up trying harder and and reading the next self-help book and totally trust in you. We know we can't do it, Father. We know it's all you, the changes that we see in our lives. I pray that as a, as a people, as a group, Father, that we would have ears to hear when your spirit speaks this year. That we would be ready for all that you have planned to do in us and through us. And that we would say yes. 
Father, as we launch into our small groups this coming week and, and our new curriculum, Father, we pray that we go in excitedly expecting what you're going to do through us, what you're going to do in us, what you're going to do amongst us, and how we can share about this faithful God who loves us in spite of our weeds, who sees us as beautiful, even with the presence of our thorns. So we praise you, we love you, and we bless you. And you're the only son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.